Me and all the fucking Joshua. Hallelujah. Uh, it's been a pretty good journey so, thus far. And so we're going to keep it going. And so, just as a reminder, God wants us to study the book of Joshua from the individual perspective of Joshua being the son of Nun, that is the son of the re-sprouted or born again uh, person, a man in whom the Burak Hakkadesh uh, resides. Collectively, we're speaking of those who has who has went through their wilderness experience and have endured its tests and trials by holding on to Elohim. They have um, born the whoredom of their parents and forefathers, yet they have their old man, that is, their flesh man, and his lust broken down, humbled, and deadened. As a result, they're no longer fleshly or worldly type people. They are now reborn spiritually via the water of the word and Ruach HaKadosh. Within the book of Joshua, we can expect to learn the plan of Elohim concerning the body of Yahushua, as Ecclesia knows born-again believers that make up spiritual Israel today. We'll, we'll learn how they're to enter into the kingdom of Elohim, what to expect one sin, as well as how to proceed one sin. Another perspective we'll be exploring is that of the land, the inhabitants of the land, how the land of Canaan speaks to the kingdom of Elohim within each and every one of us that are fathered from above, and how its inhabitants relate to the remnants of the fallen uh, angels of demons and devils and other unclean spirits which currently inhabit the land inherited by the born-again believer. You know, and so... Here it is. We're going to get into this. Uh, we left off last time in Joshua chapter 3, so we're going to pick it up with Joshua chapter 4 today. Amen. Joshua 4.1. And it came to pass when all the people were passed, passed um, clean passed over the Jordan that Yahuwah spake unto Joshua. And we don't went over this um, this word Jordan. Um, you know, uh, which is uh, actually Yarden. Jordan is Yarden in, in the Hebrew, and it's number 3383, and it speaks to descending, speaks to their descent, the descent of the fallen angels in particular. You know, um, the pictographic meaning, you know, speaks to a man working through the door of eternity. And so this is what each and every one of us are doing. We're trying to work our way through the door of eternity. Amen? Amen. And we're not going to get there unless we go through excuse me, through the yard, you know, and so this is very important to understand, it's very important to be, have spiritual eyes to see, you know, you have to get through the yard, Israel completely passing over the yard uh, on dry land speaks to them being completely free of those degenerative, those degenerative truths um, given by the fallen angels of times past, or present, say lie. These are the same degenerative truths in which the Levitical <coughs> priesthood was corrupted by, um, corrupted by then and now. Again, I'm gonna hit you with a say lie. You know, think about that one, and think about in conjunction to that. Think about what Yahushua said uh, in Matthew Yahoo 24 37 through 39. My first reader, please. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, 
so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Hallelujah. All right, so here, hereby we see that as the days of Noah were, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. You know, and it says, for as they were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until that day Noah entered into the ark. Who are the they that's being spoken of? It says, whereas in the days um, that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Who's the they? <laughs> yes, the fallen angels and their children, the demons. You know, that's who the they were. And that's what they were doing. They were eating and drinking. They was marrying and giving in marriage. You know, until the day Noah entered into the ark. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. Now, we're to be reminded that we're not going to know when it's going to come either. It's just going to look up and it's going to be uncanny, you know. And then you don't want to be washed away with the flood. Amen? Amen. You know, so Yah is telling us that it's going to be like in the days of, of Noah. And he's telling us in what aspect it's going to be like in the days of Noah. They're going to be doing the same things and it's going to be sudden just like it was then. And the flood is going to take them away. Now the thing is, it's like, you know, there is spoken of, a flood is spoken of to come in the end times. It's found in Revelation 12, 15. It says, that, and the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman. That he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. Now, we don't want to be carried away of that flood. Amen? Amen? You know, so, now this flood speaks to a flood of lies. And we're supposed to be children of the light, children of the truth. You know, so, you know, we shouldn't be carried away of that flood if we're holding on to the truth. Say loud. Now, Joshua 4.2 says, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe of man, now, the number 12 speaks to divine government. It also speaks to the divine sons or servants of Elohim. Sons or servants of Elohim. You know, um, now the word son in Hebrew is ben, number 1121, and it speaks to a son as the builder of the family name. And so here it is, we see 12 builders of the family name um, of the family name being taken out of the people and they're forming a divine government. Can you see that? You know, um, I pray you can see that. And so, this is what Joshua, um, this is what he was doing in the physical, but this is what it represents spiritually. And this is what our Messiah, Yahshua, would do spiritually. You know, now, to show you why I have the divine sons or servants of Elohim, because a son is no different than a servant, you know, before he inherits that of his father. And we're told this in Galatians 4, 1 and 2. It says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant. Though he be out the Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even our Messiah, when he came, you know, he differed nothing 
from a servant, did he not? Even though he truly was the Lord of all. Can you see that? He was the heir. He is the heir. You know, but when he came, he had to come as a child. And he differed nothing from a servant. He came in a servant's role. You know, so please understand that. Because if he'd done it, if he did it that way, then we must do it that way. Amen? Also consider Matthew 20, verses 5, 25 through 28. It says, but Yahushua called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentile ex exercise dominion over them. In other words, the rulers of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them. And they that are great exercise authority upon them. So the rulers and those um, who are in high society, aristocracy, if you would, you know, they exercise authority over the people. You know, now this is was the norm back then and it's the norm today. Amen? You know, in the um, kingdoms of the world. Verse 26. But it shall not be so among you. Whoa. Kingdom of Elohim is different. He goes on to say, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. That is your helper, your servant. You know, and so this is why you don't want to complain when you get an opportunity to serve. It's, it's even because Yah is trying to make you great. Hallelujah. 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 We should take we should take great pride in the opportunities that Yah give us to serve. Yes. Because whosoever that will be great amongst us will be the other servant. God's trying to make you great in your servitude. And he goes on to say in verse 27, and whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. You know, so whosoever will be great, let him be your minister, which specifically means helper. But whosoever will be chief, let him be your servant, which speaks to like your slave. You know, even as the son of man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for men. You know, so we have the example. Now all we have to do is follow it. Amen? Amen. All right. Joshua 4, 3. And command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of, of um, Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, 12 stones. Okay, so now here it is. He called out these 12 men, and he's telling them to take 12 stones out of the midst of the yard. You know, and he says, and ye shall carry them over with you and lead them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. All right? Now, the word stones is a bent. Number 68 in the Hebrew, in, the, in your Strong's um, lexicon. And... It mean it's from the root bana, meaning to build. So now I want you to think about that for a second, because first he took out twelve sons, you know, of Israel. And the sons, what did anybody remember? What Ben meant? The sons meant to build the family name, right? And now he's giving them stones to build. Woo! Yeah, he's saying something. Now, I would have you know that the stones represent 
they can represent truth or falsehood. In a positive sense, they represent truth. In a negative sense, they represent falsehood. You know, and, and everything has has a, uh, is two sided. You know, now this is in a positive sense, so it represents truth. Then Joshua called the twelve men. Oh, verse four. I'm sorry. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe of man. Now, I want to show you that not only Joshua did this, but Yahushua did this as well. In Luke 6.13, it says, And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles. You know, so Joshua wasn't called Yahushua for no reason. Amen? As he represents the body of Yahushua, you know, um, but Yahushua were following like fashion, you know, and he did choose 12. You know, uh, verses 5 and 6, my next reader, please. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of Yahuwah, your Elohim, into the midst of Jordan, and take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their father in, in time to come, say, what mean ye by these stones? Hallelujah. All right, so here it is. We're told that Joshua told him, take up every man a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of Israel, that it may be a sign among you. This word sign is oath, number 20. Um, 226 which speaks to a sign a signal a distinguishing mark you know in other words he was making some type of monument some type of memorial amen you know and so and it was to be a distinguishing mark for the children of Israel you know so to cause the people to question you know so when they would see it when their children would see it later on they would go to their fathers and say what mean ye by these stones? What mean ye by these truths? Because the stones represent truths. You know, so what mean ye by these truths? Amen? Amen. You know, and so, if we go on to verse 7, it tells us, Then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of Yahuwah. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. What is this word memorial? It's Zikron in the, in the Hebrew, number 2146. And it means to be, it speaks to being a reminder. It's from Zakar to mark as to be recognized. That is to remember. He doesn't want us to forget these stones, these truths. Amen. You know, verse 8 continues on. It says, the children and the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of Jordan as Yahuwah spake unto Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel and carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged and laid them down there. You know, um, something I have wanted to point out in verse 4. It says, Joshua called 12 men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel. You know, and 
I wanted to point out that Yahshua did likewise. He didn't just pick any any twelve. He picked twelve that he had prepared. Amen. Amen. You know, and so, and they all were called to carry truths or stones. Mm -hmm. You know, so much so that the numero uno one he chose, he even called a stone. Mm -hmm. Did not he name um, Simon? Yeah. He named him um, Kephas. Which means a stone. And the interesting thing is, it doesn't just mean any kind of stone. It means a stone that has become smooth, you know, such as the stone of a river where it's become smooth from the water washing over it. Even because he's a depiction of one of those stones taken out of the yard. You know, now... These physical stones bear reference to the stones or truths carried upon the shoulders of the twelve apostles, prepared and chosen of Yah, the which they've lodged and laid down, um, the which they've lodged and laid down where they lodged at. They are still around today. We call, we call um, today we call them the apostles, the apostles' memorial. We call it the brick kadashah or the New Testament scriptures. These are those stones that was laid down as a memorial to Joshua bringing them over to Jordan. You know, it's not by coincidence that Yahshua was actually baptizing, um, or having his, his people baptized in the Jordan. You know, uh, and it's just a depiction of what we see here in Joshua. You know, the body of Yahshua would be baptizing in the Jordan, and that's just what we see in the brick Kadashah. You know, we see the exact same thing. You know, but much of those forbidden degenerative truths um, exist today as well. You know, because afterwards the water of the Jordan will continue to flow and overflow its banks. You know, and so those waters represented those degenerative truths that the fallen angels and the demons propagated throughout the um, earth. Okay? And so... They began to flow again afterwards, you know, and they exist, they still um, exist today within the form of the oral Torah, the Mishnah, the Talmud, the Kabbalah, you know, etc. But also the Vedas, the Upanishads, the Puranas, um, which are the Indian texts, um, etc. The Tripitaka, uh, the Tripitaka, uh, the Tripitaka. And uh, Mahayana Sutras, that was rough, um, <laughs> you know, uh, which are um, also Asian um, um, writings, the Buddhist, you know, um, and the Tao Te Ching and the Taoist Canon, which is the Chinese, the Sumerian, as well as the Egyptian writings, etc., etc. You know, um, this is where we get all this folklore and all these religious writings around the world, you know, um, that contradict or, you know, come up against scripture, you know. And sometimes they don't. They, they just, they do have some wisdom in them. But, you know, even if something is 90% true and 10% a lie, it's all a lie, right? You know, um, you know, and, it's, and if you don't know where that 10% is, like, it can really be dangerous you know the point being is that many of the world's religious writings have been influenced by the 
aforementioned fallen angels, you know, and so we're to keep the memorial of our forefathers. We're to keep the memorial of the twelve that Yahushua chose to, and the stones that he gave them. We're to use that for a memorial. Amen? Amen. You know, so that's what we utilize. You know, and we call that call that the brick college all the New Testament scriptures. You know, um, we utilize that. You know, that's that's uh, uh, what we're, we're we're going off of. You know, and so the, it's just a depiction of the twelve that Yahshua chose. You know, and the writings that they put together in what we call scripture today, what we call the Bible. You know. You know, um, especially our, our New Testament scriptures. You know, and so that's important that we see this, you know, with our spiritual eyes. Because, you know, this is our memorial. You know, so this is supposed to be a constant reminder of, you know, we're in the promised land. And if we're in the promised land, you know, then we're spiritual beings. You know, uh, we have overcome the wilderness experience. You know, so we should act accordingly. Amen. Amen. Let me have my next reader read verses 9 through 11. Joshua 4, 9 through 11. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there unto this day. For the priests which bear the ark stood in the midst of Jordan until everything was finished, that Yahuwah commanded Joshua to speak unto the people, according to all that Moses commanded Joshua and the people haste and passed over. And it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over that the ark of Yahuwah passed over and the priests and the presence of the people. Hallelujah. So we're told in verse 9 that Joshua set up the 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan. You know, that he set up 12 stones. Now these not, aren't the same 12 stones we were just speaking about. This is another set of 12 stones. And these 12 stones were actually put in the midst of the Jordan. The other 12 stones were, I'm sorry, 12 stones were taken out of the Jordan. Amen? Amen. You know, so I don't want you to get mixed up on the two sets of 12. You know, and you know, this is because, you know, these 12 that's, that were set up in the midst of the Jordan represent actually the Old Testament scriptures. Those old truths, you know. And so it says that they were put there in the midst of the Jordan. Now this word midst of, it can actually mean, it can actually mean in room of or instead of. You know, and so in other words, you know, they were, the stones were put there instead of the priest. You know, and so that the priests could actually leave out, but they had representation that they were there via the stones. You know, and it says for the uh, for the priests which bear the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished. So these stones was put there as a representation of of that happening. Now, you know, take note that they stood there in the midst of the Jordan until everyone came across. You know, and it says that it came to pass that all the people were clean, um, passed over, that the Ark of Yahuwah passed over and the priest. You know, so 
here it is. They set up another memorial, another memorial in the midst of the York. You know, now, Joshua 4.12, and the children of Reuben and the children of God and the children of the tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the children of Israel as Moshe spake unto them. And so, like, they were at the head of the pack. You know, now, Reuben means see ye a son. God, or God, if you prefer, speaks to good fortune. And, you know, and Manasseh, which means causing to forget or neglect. You know, and so... Here it is, we're being, you know, Yah is, is painting a picture, you know, for this, um, those of Israel who are sons of good fortune, you know, who have, you know, waxed fat, you know, and um, sometimes may be caused to forget or neglect Yah, that they are the ones that's supposed to spearhead the mission, you know, going into the promised land. You know, they're the spearheaded and, you know, so everyone else can come behind them. You know, now, verse 13, it says about 40,000 of them prepared for war, passed over before Yahuwah unto battle to the plains of Jericho. Now, this word, um, the, the number 40 speaks to trials and testing. So this is a, a picture that Yah is painting that this is the sons of good fortune. You know, this is their trials or testings so that they don't forget Yah and they don't neglect Yah. They're to go ahead of everyone else. They're to, you know, to be out front. Now, we continue on through verses 14 through 16. My next reader, please. On that day, Yahuwah magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. And Yahuwah spoke unto Joshua, saying, Command the priests that they bear the ark of the testimony that they come up out of Jordan. Hallelujah. All right, so, question. So who's the last to follow Joshua out of the waters or truce of, of the Jordan? Priest? Hallelujah. I was hoping somebody got that right. You know, yes, the priests are the last ones to follow to follow um, Joshua out of the Jordan. And what does this say to us today? I'm sorry, say again. Well, yeah, that's that's what is that's what it's saying, um, just literally. But spiritually, what is what is this telling us today? What where will we where would we find the priest? In what house? Okay. Um, of the two houses, which house would we find the priest and their temple? What tribe was Yahushua from? 
Hallelujah. <laughs> yes. You know, so this is a picture that the priest or the house of Yahuda, you know, the ones that carry that was um that's been called to carry the presence of Elohim, the, the Ark of the Covenant, they would be the last ones to follow Yahshua. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. Out of all the peoples of the earth and all the tribes of Israel, which ones have not accepted Yahshua? Can you see that? Can you see that this, this is a prophecy that's telling us that they would be the last ones to accept Yahshua? No, it's not a stretch at all. Because they're the last one who came out of the Jordan were the priests. And the priests are only found in the house of Yahudah. No other place, you know, no other place, you know, and the priests are the only ones who have not accepted Yahshua even to this day. That fits Jeremiah 31-33. Absolutely. You know. And that's not a stretch. <laughs> not at all. You know, this was a prophecy way back when, you know, concerning the house of Judah and the priesthood, that they will be the last ones to accept Yahshua. You know, and you know, this is, is, is important you see this because this is this actually, you know, plays out as a prophecy that still yet has to be fulfilled. You know, and this is something that we can look for. We can look forward to. Because they will be the last ones to, to accept Yahshua. One, two, one, two. Yeah. Uh, right. Hallelujah. Okay, so... Yeah, so I just want to bring this to your attention so, you know, you can keep an eye open because before it's over, I, you know, I do believe that the priests, many of them, um, you know, the mass majority of them or at large will accept Yahshua for whatever reason. You know, verses 17 and 18 goes on to say, Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come ye out of the yard. And it came to pass when the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant of Yahuwah will come up out of the midst of the yard. And the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up unto the dry land. And the waters of Jordan returned unto their place and flowed over his banks as they did before. When this happens in the future, spiritually speaking, this will be when the door will close. Because this is when the Yarden will flow again. And this is when the door will close. Because the Jordan is the door into 
the kingdom of Elohim into the land of Canaan. Now this word dry land is Karabah, number 2724, and it speaks to simply a desert or dry ground, you know, in contrast to Yabashah, you know, which is the word translated as dry ground when they were coming through the Reed Sea. Big difference, very big difference, you know. Um, and we went over that last week, so I'm not going to, you know, uh, hammer that no more today. But what I am going to hammer is this straight gate, you know, because the yard represents this straight gate because it is this straight gate. You know, consider Matthew Yahoo 7, 12 through 14. It says, therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter ye in at the straight gate i.e. the yarden. This is why they were baptizing in the yarden. Mm -hmm. For wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, the reed sea. You know, this is the wide. When you look at the reed sea in comparison to the yarden, the reed sea is huge. It's like an ocean. You know, and the yarden is just, you know, in comparison, it's like a, like a creek. You know, a small river now today, but it was a larger river back then. You know, but point being, there's no comparison. It's like night and day. You know, so now everyone who came through that Reed Sea, that broad way, did lead to destruction for 98% of them, right? Uh, only two were allowed to come, come in, and that was Joshua and Caleb. You know, and so here it is. He says, enter ye in at the straight gate. And he says, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few be there that find it. So, I pretty much told y'all. Um, but what is the straight gate? The yard. The yard, absolutely. Now, what is the narrow way? Yes, it does lead into the life. It does lead into life, but what is it? What's that way? Say again? You say... I mean, no, no, sorry. Narrow is the... What does it represent? Yahweh. Torah. No, it doesn't represent Torah. Yahshua's commandments, words, and sayings. Absolutely. This is why Yahshua, when he came, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. You know, Yahshua's commandments, words, and sayings are that narrow way. That said, what is the wide gate? The Reed Sea, absolutely. Now, what is the broad way? Torah. Torah, exactly. You know, and the reason being is because Torah, you know, is a mixture of Yah's, um, Yah's commandments and man's. And man's commandments were influenced by those waters of the yard. Or, in, in other words, influenced by those fallen angels. Mm. You know, and so this was the problem. 
And this is why the memorial is set in the yard, showing that those waters, those truths, because water, um, water represents truth as well, those truths, you have truths within truths. You have those truths that descended from those fallen angels, you know, mixed with the truths of Elohim. And this is why the memorial or the monument was set in the River Jordan. Can you see that? Yeah. You know, and so within the two, you see both the Old Testament and New Testament scriptures. You know, and this is why, this is why, you know, that covenant had to be done away with because of that mixture. Because of that mixture, it had to get, get rid of everything that was of man and was not you know, of Yah's will, way, and purposes. All right, that's it. Now, we, we see the straight gate. We see the narrow way. We see the wide gate. We see the broad way, right? Yeah. You know, and, and, and also consider that those who traveled that broad way, those who traveled the way of Torah, you know, many, many of them died. You know, um, they all died in the wilderness pretty much, except 98% of them, right? Right. You know, so... That was the broad way that led unto destruction. Why people don't want to let that destruction go, I don't know. You know, um, you know, but we only want that of Yah because only that of Yah brings life. You know, so that said, why are there only few that find the straight gate? Because uh, because um, because men are called, few are chosen. Why are only few there be that find that straight gate? What you said is correct, but that's not answering the question. Mm -hmm. No, that's that's not exactly it either. Faith, lack of faith in Yah. Lack of faith in Yah. Um, no, that's that's not what I'm looking for. You know, um, it's in conjunction to what we're saying and what we're talking about. Uh, no, not 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 exactly. The reason why only a few find that straight gate is found in John three three. John three three says, "Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of Elohim." And this is why only a few find it, because once they've come out of Mitzrayim, you know, and they went. Through, um, they go through the through the uh, wilderness experience. If they are not obedient, then they'll never even see the kingdom. Mm. Mm. Okay. Mm. So that you, you can't find something you can't see. Okay. It, well, at least it's very difficult at, at best, mm. you know. Yeah. And so. You look at as much as you will, you know, but unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of Elohim. And you're to be born of the word. You know, see, but it's very challenging to be born of the word when you have the word mixed with uh, the word of Elohim mixed with the word of man. And so that's why it's, it's, it's much more difficult, you know, to, um, to find it. And only a few did find it. Joshua, Caleb, and Moshe. That was your few. 
and out of the few, only two entered in. Amen? Amen. You know, so unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of Elohim. You know, so that makes it real hard to find. You know, verses 17 and 18, you know, uh, Joshua therefore commanded the priest, saying, Come ye out of the yard. And it came to pass when the priest that bare the ark of the covenant of Yahuwah were come out of the midst of the yard, and the soles of the priest's feet lifted up on the dry land, that the waters of Yard returned unto their place and flowed over his banks as they did before. You know, um, and like I said, this is this is uh, the door actually closing. This is actually the door closing to the kingdom of Elohim, and you know. I, I never want to miss an opportunity to remind people that the door will close at some time, at some day, someday, and someday soon, much closer today than ever before, that there's coming a time that the door will close. So we have to get in while we can. We have to get in while it's open. You know, Yahshua gave a parable about this. It's found in Luke 13, 24 through 27. It says, strive. Now that word strive means to fight. It means to wrestle. What are you striving? What are you fighting for? What are you wrestling for? It says strive to enter in at the straight gate. So even if you do find it, you still have to fight to get through it. Yes. Are you willing to fight? It says for many I say unto you will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Even as Moshe, he sought to enter in but he was not able. When once the master of the house is risen up and have shut to the door, see, he gonna shut the door at some point. And ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. Lord, please. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. Then shall ye begin to say, we have eaten and drunk in thy presence and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not. Whence ye are, depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. Don't think that you're going to live unrighteously and be deemed righteous. I know that's what's commonly taught today, but that is a lie from the pit of Hades. Only those who are righteous will be righteous. Only those that do righteously will be righteous, will be deemed righteous. You can't be deemed righteous and not do righteously. You, you would think that that was... I'm going to stop saying that because common sense is not, not common at all anymore. You know, but you have to actually do righteously if you want to be deemed righteous. You know, and hence he's telling them to get apart from him because they are workers of iniquity. If they're workers of iniquity, that means they're sinful. If they're sinful, that means they've they're transgressed. They're, they're transgressing the law because the definition of sin is transgression of the law. This word iniquity means lawlessness. They do not have the law. They're not keeping the law. They're not keeping Yah's commandments, words, and sayings. They're not keeping Torah. You know Yah's written um, written Torah, not the oral Torah. You know, they're not keeping um, his Torah. They're not keeping Yahshua's commandments, words, and sayings. Hence, they are workers of iniquity. Now, 
So who's the last to follow Joshua, i.e. the body of Yahushua out of the garden? You know, it is the priest. It is the priest. So when we see that happen, we know the proverbial crap is about to hit the proverbial fan. Amen? Amen. That's all I have for you. Praise the blessing. Uh,